Welcome back to the third season of Fisher Link, a podcast presented by Fisher Inc. Magazine for the Fisher College of Business to highlight stories in and around Ohio State that you may not have heard about. My name is Grant Pallison, and this week we have with us Megan Fisher, Sumitra Nguyen, and Jacob Malaragno, here to discuss their experiences with studying and working abroad. Thanks for joining us today, guys. Do you each of you mind introducing yourself with your name, major, and the country you visited? Yeah, so I'm Megan Fisher. I'm a second year studying operations management, and I went to Tamale, Ghana last summer. My name is Jacob Malarano. I'm a fourth year studying sociology, and the spring semester of 2019, I was in Sevilla, Spain. Hi everyone, I'm Cindy Chen-Wen. I'm also a fourth year. Um, I'm doing a dual degree in theater and marketing with a minor in Asian American studies. In the spring of 17, I went to Japan. No, 18, so sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, got some range of experiences here. So what inspired each of you to go abroad and how did you decide where to go and which program to choose? So I was inspired to go abroad because I actually work in the Office of Global Business. So it's very encouraged to go abroad when you're there. And I decided the program and location because I wanted to do a shorter program. So I did the Global Projects program. So it's just two weeks in May. And then I went to Tamalikana because I liked the program and I thought it was a very interesting location. Yeah, uh, so I went to Spain, or like I chose Spain, um, because Spanish is one of my minors here at Ohio State, um, and I had gotten to a point where, you know, I was kind of, uh, I I didn't have too much more to take in terms of Spanish, um, and I had always known, like my whole life, that I wanted to live uh, and study abroad at some point. Uh, So from there, I mean, Spain just kind of was the was the best option. Uh, it, you know, being anywhere in Europe allows you to travel uh, from country to country pretty easily and pretty cheaply. I, you know, can't complain about that. Um, but the specific program uh, was actually uh, really like the only one that I uh, saw that like matched everything I kind of needed to finish up with my minor. Um, so yeah, it really just fell into place uh, with the Sineku or now Kawa program. What a place to finish out your minor other than in Spain. I, I know, yeah. right, yeah, yeah. There's no no better no better place, right? <laughs> so kinda like Jacob, I also knew that I wanted to study abroad while in college and actually that spring slash autumn of my sophomore year I was deciding between two programs. So as a theater major, every other summer we have a trip to London where we just see a bunch of plays for six weeks and write papers. Um so there was that one, but then the Kakahashi program, which is the program that I went on, showed up in like an email that every Fisher student was sent and it was like two hundred and fifty dollars compared to the London one which was like six thousand dollars and I was like, hmm, where do I want my monies to go? And so obviously I applied for the Japan one and I got it. Yeah, it was an obvious choice. Do you know how many applicants they had? Oh, I had this down on my phone a while ago. I think it was like 250. I'll say 250. Okay. Yeah. Out of um, how many got chosen? About 30. Okay. Yeah. Nice. You've been lucky then. Mm-hmm. So what were the requirements to participate in your specific program and what was the application process like? Yeah, so a lot of the Fisher programs have general guidelines just to apply. So. When I did it, it was a 3.0, and then you just had to fill out an online Qualtrics application and submit a video of you answering three interview questions. So it was relatively easy, and I think it's worth it for everyone to apply, even if you're just considering doing it. Well, the question is like pretty straightforward, like what do you want to do? Yeah, why you want to go in the program, why you want to go to the specific location you preferenced, that kind of stuff. Yeah, uh, so for my program, because it was a semester program uh, with a language focus, um, pretty like you basically had to be either a Spanish minor or a Spanish major to be eligible. Um, it was, I mean, it was pretty straightforward to apply. I mean, it was nothing, you know, outrageous, I guess, in terms of questions. Um, I did, I had actually applied to a different program beforehand, and uh, that was discontinued as soon as I submitted my application. So uh, I didn't, so the obvious next step was to uh, look at the one they replaced it with, which uh, ended up being, you know, everything and more, so. Yeah, it's always the one you never really expect. Right, 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 and you know, I mean, after 
you know, total panic moment. I, I, it, it was, yes, everything happens for a reason, so. Very motivational. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, kind of like Megan, we were also required to fill like a Qualtrics survey. So we got that email, you clicked on the link, you filled out all the questions. Um, as far as I know, the only requirement was that you were an um, upperclassman, so freshmen weren't allowed. You didn't have to um, know Japanese at all or have studied Japanese, but preference were given to students who did study Japanese or hadn't been outside the United States before. However, I got in, so I don't know how that criteria fit. Um, and then after you were kind of screened with the survey, um, there came a either phone interview, in-person interview, or Skype interview, whichever one kind of fit your schedule more, and then from there you got a response. And how long did it take to get a response? <laughs> like two weeks. Yeah, mine was not. <laughs> <laughs> mine was not. I mean, it was, you know, it's always harder when you're going through like OIA versus like a specific college um, just because they have so many programs uh, to choose from and so many programs they manage. Uh, so mine was probably more like two months. But <laughs> I also had to resubmit an entire application. Oh, so. True. That'll, that'll get you. And it was like a year in advance or something, right? Uh, well, originally, I was, I had like, yeah, I had everything planned like a year ahead of time. Um, again, you know, when they discontinue a program, <laughs> you, you know, you, you make do and you, you have to kind of uh, run around a little bit. But, uh, you know, it, it all worked out. I was probably, I had everything set like, I don't know, three or four months okay. uh, before I left. Yeah, that's plenty of time, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, how long did each of you stay and what was your housing situation like? So I was there for two weeks and our housing situation was interesting. We stayed in, I guess, a motel. I mean, we were in northern Ghana, so we weren't expecting anything glamorous, but uh, it was definitely interesting staying there. We were the only people, it was a small enough motel that we were the only people staying there. Which was nice because when stuff like the Wi-Fi cut out or like the water cut out, like we were able to go to the front desk and uh, I guess complain. But and you have priority because yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, and they were like really quick to fix stuff for us, so it was honestly pretty nice. Like we were running the place, but um, it was funny. So our first night there and our last night there, we stayed in the most glamorous Marriott I've ever stayed in in my life. And I, I mean, I don't think it was more expensive than what it would be like in the U.S. Like oh. It was, or that like a standard hotel in the U.S. But that was really funny because we did like bookends of like <laughs> this beautiful hotel <laughs> with like this expensive like fancy breakfast that was included, <laughs> and we'd have to pay for it, and then like our motel. Why didn't you say that the whole time? Like what, what was special? Because about it was time? it was just we flew in from a different city than what we stayed in. Oh, okay. So it was just our like one night right after our flight and then right before our next one. Uh, very different. So I was there for, I was in Syria for five-ish months. Uh, and I stayed with a host family that was like a mandatory part of the program. So all of us OSU students had host families, which not gonna lie, a little apprehensive at first, uh, you know, moving as a college student, uh, your, your priorities sometimes can be a little uh, different from like a nice Spanish family. <laughs> so, so I was a little nervous, but that ended up being like one of the most impactful parts for me. Uh, just being able to like live and see everyday life in Spain. Uh, it, w it was such a great experience, uh, you know, perfect for language acquisition, like definitely tunes your fluency um, in whatever language. And honestly, like I, I got to hang out with their dog every day. So I can't, I can't complain about that. You know, they'd be like, oh, can you please, can you please walk the dog? And I'd be like, oh, oh, if you insist, please yeah, watch her jump over orange groves in the park. So pretty, pretty ideal. Does the dog speak Spanish too? Does it have oh yeah, <laughs> fluent in Spanish. I think she probably heard me speaking English half the time and was like, you know, she picked up on some things, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. She knows sit now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
so I was there for 10 days, technically eight, because two days were travel. Um, and so it was split up in three different places, which was kind of a lot for just a, like a week's stay, but it was all good. So Monday and Tuesday, I stayed in Tokyo, and I stayed at a really nice hotel in Tokyo. Um, Wi-Fi was great. And then, <laughs> and then kind of like Tuesday night or Wednesday morning, I forget which one, we flew to another prefecture, um, Oita, and there it was more like mountainy, more scenic, so we stayed at a smaller hotel there. Um, and Wi-Fi, not so great. But then Wednesday night, we stayed at a homestay family, and this is the only time that we were kind of split up. Um, every four, like, group, four some group or so, were split up into, like, Japanese grandparents' households. Uh, and then we stayed there for them with the night, for them with the night, for the night. <laughs> and then uh, went back to the hotel in Oita, and then on Friday morning, we flew back to Tokyo, and then went back to the exact same hotel that we had in Tokyo. Yeah. What was it like staying with that home station? They were so cute. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know about everybody else's, but my grandma, she was the cutest person ever. She had her friends come over and hang out with us for the night. Um, they taught us how to play this instrument, the stringed instrument that I picked up in like five minutes. Um, and then we also did arts and crafts. She fed us. We watched some Japanese cartoons. Um, and then later on, from like learning about body language and kind of like having a very sparse like translation i found out that my host grandma who's like 70 years old she wakes up at three o'clock in the morning every day and delivers newspapers to her neighbors oh, wow. because they live on the mountains and she's the only one with the working car oh, <laughs> isn't wow. that the cutest thing ever as like a volunteer yeah it's like a thing that she just likes to do to get wow. her exercise in that's awesome. Isn't that the coolest thing ever? And this yeah. place, this whole place is just like mountains. So it's all just uphill, all uphill, all downhill. And this little woman is just walking. She's probably got calves of steel, though. Everybody <laughs> yeah. in Japan is so fit. Everyone is so fit. Really? It's amazing. Do they walk everywhere? Basically, yeah. There's also public transit, but like we didn't mm -hmm. take that. But like everything is just so neatly compact together because it is such a small island, you know? It just makes sense that everybody walks everywhere. But also their food is just healthier than here. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no wonder they're excited. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the air's so clean. <laughs> <laughs> no McDonald's on every street corner? Not quite, no. I did have McDonald's when I was there, though. That was a treat. Uh, you go to Japan, you sell McDonald's. It was a teriyaki burger. It was teriyaki. <laughs> oh, that's cool, actually. They, yeah. yeah. No, no, no. We didn't get, like, a big, like, a big Mac or anything. We got, like, special Japanese McDonald's. <laughs> they, they, had, they did have Big Macs in Spain. Um, <laughs> McDonald's was actually a little bit more expensive in Spain, and uh, I'm a Wendy's guy, so... But, you know, you make do, and every... Uh, and, you know, sometimes when you need a little taste of the American way of life, you just, you walk five minutes to McDonald's and yeah, I don't know. The food I honestly think was maybe just a tad bit better too. Japanese McDonald's slaps. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, it's good. That's interesting for sure. Okay. Um, what did a typical, typical day look like for each of your experiences and what type of work was involved? So I was on a consulting project, so every morning we would wake up and then go into uh, the place we were working. We were working at a music school, so it wasn't necessarily an office. It was kind of just a room they had that they put us in. <laughs> and so we would work for a couple hours, and then we would go to lunch. And then uh, the funny thing about Ghana as like a culture is that everything moves a little bit slower there. So our lunches tended to be like three hours long. So that took up you know, the entire middle of our day. Um, but then we would go back and then work on our project for a few more hours. So they just like take their time with things and like the more time on meal prep or it's just- Yeah, it's like every meal, each person's specific order comes out separately. So they clearly like make one order, then the next, then the next, and as opposed to like, hey, three of these orders include rice. Why don't we make everyone's rice together? <laughs> but it's a foreign concept to them. Yeah, Literally. I don't know. That's just how it was. <laughs> and then everything like it would take forever to get checks, and we would have to drive to where we were eating. So just, everything kind of took a while. But I, I mean. We definitely were not working 40 hour weeks, which was what you're kind of supposed to go in expecting to work 40 hour weeks. And we definitely didn't. And I know some global project teams do. That was just not 
our specific situation and the person we were working for too we would be like okay this day we're gonna get so much work done and then he would be like I brought in this lady that my wife knows to braid all the girls hair if you want it <laughs> and we're like well yeah we of course want whatever Free braids. yeah or he would stop us and be like oh do you guys want to watch us practice for an hour we're like I mean, yeah, like, obviously we want to do that, so it's definitely very broken up, but... Did you get what you needed to get done, though? Yeah, yeah, we did. We definitely finished what we set out to do. Okay. And then, yeah, and we also didn't work all ten days that we were there, because we left a little bit early the second week, because we did, uh, instead of flying back to the capital city that we flew into from the U.S., we drove back. So that was a few days of a drive. Okay. And what were you guys driving? We were driving like a van with like we had a driver who didn't speak English and so he would only communicate with our resident director who would then communicate back to us. But it was funny because he was funny and so she would interpret all of his jokes. There'd always be like a delayed <laughs> laugh of like us figuring out what he had said. But yes, that was really fun and that was also part of the experience too, to have our driver take us to and from work every day. And anytime we were alone with him without our resident director, we'd be just like trying to figure out how to communicate with him. Like, we want to go home now. <laughs> but yes, that was really fun. What was the road scene like? Yeah, it was interesting. Like the traffic there is just entirely different than it is here. That was actually one of my biggest adjustments was that if there's a red light but there are no cars coming, it is just absolutely considered green. Or if there's cars coming but they're easily dodgeable, still considered green. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was terrifying. And I definitely couldn't have never done it. And he was driving this rather large van and like weaving in between all these, they had like the little bikes. I don't know what those are called. Oh, uh, like rickshaws. Yes. Maybe. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, they had like the little bikes there. And so this giant van was like weaving in between all these bikes and you totally, it was funny, you totally saw people like lightly tapping each other and no one would say anything. If that happened in the U.S., it'd be like, yeah. pull Give over, insurance. exchange insurance, yeah, yeah whole yeah. thing. But yeah, that was <laughs> definitely funny. crazy. Well, maybe they're just better drivers than we are and they're capable of like, yeah. driving. I guess lights. so. And they drive, the thing that was funny too, if we have, you know, two lights close together, you kind of just drive slow in between them, If like especially for the next one's red but they just like fully accelerate fully slow down every time no cop no stop so we yeah. were just like <laughs> we were just getting like thrown around in this van okay. well Jacob, yeah i i definitely cannot say that my experience was identical in, <laughs> in any way to that uh because because i was studying in spain like because that was kind of like the main um, point of like my particular program. I generally uh, was in class most days of the week. Um, so Monday through Thursday, we had class. I, I was generally at the university from like, you know, 9.30 to a little before two. Um, and, I, and I only lived like a four minute walk away. So that was really, really ideal, especially if you're chronically late, like I am. Uh, but uh, what's nice about Spain is that everybody's chronically late. So, you know, to an American's no, person. Nobody cares if you are, yeah. Right, right. You know, I, I, I'd roll up to, to class and I'd be like, oh no, I'm five minutes late. Like, you know, rushing into the building. I'd see my, you know, professor outside starting his second cigarette before, <laughs> before, before class and he'd roll in 20 minutes late. You know, like, it, and he was just like, oh, hey. You guys are here early. <laughs> we're, all, we're all like, yeah, I, I guess. Um, uh, but no, and then, I mean, after school, like, there was always a big Spanish lunch. Um, you know, that, that was pretty typical with, and, you know, I always ate with my host brothers. That was, again, very standard. Like, you eat meals together. Um, it's, it's not as, you know, on the go as it is uh, here, more or less. But 
uh, I also had a lot of free time in the afternoon just because school, my classes were not particularly demanding, uh, like at, like at all. Were so, they, were they like Americans learning Spanish classes or were they? No. So it was like, it was all like material we would learn here. Like in the U S it was all in Spanish, but I mean, at that point it, it like that particular point in our you know academic endeavors like it, it wasn't that like the language barrier was was not really an issue in class because you could almost always even if you didn't understand like exactly what were they you know the professor was saying it, it context clues or something right right, right. Yeah. It, it's it's easy enough to infer um no i mean the classes just the way that they structure school is different they there isn't busy work um i i mean a lot of like professors didn't even require us to like read anything um a lot of it was showing up to class like being attentive like taking good notes um asking questions and honestly just being engaged with the uh you know like the material and the university i think that that went a really long way um, and then obviously, you know, we didn't have class Fridays, uh, Saturday or Sunday. So that was a great travel. Um, I mean, every weekend was a kind of a travel opportunity. Is um, enough classes Friday, like a scheduling thing or like a, like a countrywide thing? Um, I don't, I can't say countrywide, but it definitely isn't uncommon. Mm. What were the weekends like there? You had a three day weekend. Yeah. Uh, a, a ton of fun. Uh, if, if, if we weren't traveling, which I, you know, as a recommendation, definitely, if you're there for a semester, don't travel every single weekend because you will constantly be tired and you're, you like miss out on where you're actually studying. Uh, but no, I mean, Sevilla, you know, Spanish life, it just runs later. So like, you know, People don't really start eating dinner maybe until like 9.30. You know, by the time that's done, you chill until 1 or 2 a.m. And then you uh, then you start to like go out for the night, whatever that may be. Um, that's just very common. Um, yeah, I, you know, countrywide, I mean, everything just, just runs a little bit later. And uh, But weekends were great. The weather was almost always just... A picture perfect like not a cloud in the sky just absolutely absolutely gorgeous um yeah i mean on that front no complaints <laughs> not too hot or anything just um so we didn't we weren't there for the hottest part i was there january you know right into like that early summer period so for us i mean it was you know they all of all of the people who are from sevilla like we're always wearing winter coats. It would be like 70. <laughs> hey, I, I, I'm, I'm completely serious. It would be yeah. 70, 70 degrees, and I would see everybody wearing a winter coat except for me. And uh, Probably in shorts, right? <laughs> it, well, well, yeah, I mean, shorts, like, that's... Nobody really wears shorts, so it had to hit, like, 95, 100 for that to even, like... For to see anybody in shorts. And just wow. as kind of, you know, a, yeah, just as a cultural norm. Um, but yeah, I mean, by the end, like once May hit, got, it got hot and dry, like, you know, 90 degree days, no humidity, all sun. Um, and then by August, which luckily I missed, it hits about 110, yeah. 105, Ooh, no, no. very dry. Um, and pretty much nobody's in Sevilla for the entire month of August. Everybody, <laughs> everybody takes off, heads to the, you know, beach or somewhere else just because it's, it, it's so, it's so hot. <laughs> yeah, it was 103 the entire time. Yep. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, it, it, you know, I mean, it was kind of nice for a change. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, 103 working, you know, yeah. every day. Could be, could I don't be know rough, if I've but... ever smelled worse for a longer period of time. But... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know how people were like sweating profusely under their clothes. Cause I was dying in like, in like 75 I'm wearing, I'm like all bundled up cause I want to look like, you know, the outsider and I'm sweating bullets. I'm, I get to class and I'm like panting, crying like, off my face. Mostly kidding, but. <laughs> Cindy, what was your feel like? I was there, and the weather was like 50s and 60s. Um, yeah. It was very regular, very normal. Um, so our day, we didn't really have a lot of free time. It was kind of planned 
by the minute. Um, so our the Japanese government actually sponsored our trip, so they kind of made our itinerary as well. Um, one of the things that we were required to do was like give them our temperature every night just to make sure that we didn't have any fevers or anything. Um, so that was something that we had to do every night. And then you'd go to bed and wake up at about like six o'clock was when your day started and then you were responsible for your own breakfast at the hotel and then from there we either did a cultural visit or a company visit so over there we did two company visits one was a car manufacturer and one was like i think like an auto parts manufacturer i don't really see what they were doing um <laughs> and then so if it wasn't a, a company visit in the morning then it was like a cultural visit so we went to shrines we went to like two shopping malls that was random. <laughs> um, we went to like a, um, an imperial palace. That was pretty cool. And then so every day was just kind of flip-flop, flip-flopped. And then we also ha all had lunch together. So there were three other universities with me, but then they split us up into, then like paired us. So we were with the University of Kentucky. So everything that we did, we also did with the University of Kentucky. We'd have lunch with them and then the nighttime activities, whichever that was. And then we'd also have dinner with them. Um, the only time where we were allowed to kind of like branch off was during the cultural visits, but even that was planned down to the minute and you had to be back on the charter bus by a certain minute. Um, so that was that. But then on like the last two days, so we were also in charge of doing like a presentation about our experience. I was in charge of that. Um, there you go. Thank you. <laughs> <I volunteered. laughs> so we sat down, like all of our all of our group members, our 30 group members sent to me and my group pictures and their little testimonials and what they wanted us to share. And so that was Thursday. Friday we flew back. Friday we presented to the four other schools and then whichever Japanese representatives wanted to be present that day. And then that was the end of all the academic stuff. And then after that was kind of fun. <laughs> so you had like two days of fun. Basically, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, everything else was fun, but like this time was more like fun, fun. We, I didn't have to wear business casual those times. Oh. I was able to wear leggings. God bless. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so what did you guys do for fun then? We, okay, so there was like a certain point at night where we were unsupervised, didn't have to be anywhere. Some of us went out. Some of us... Went out? Yes. We, <laughs> how dare. <laughs> we were back in Tokyo, nightlife was thriving. <laughs> And then um, I think some members of the University of Kentucky decided to take like the subway and go to Tokyo um, Disney. So that was oh, also an option as well. But like we didn't really have anything to do. It was just like at some point you got to get back in bed because we're heading on a plane the next day. Just like make sure that you're back and you have enough sleep and you will be awake the next day. Right, so I knew you mentioned how you didn't like the road experience, but did you guys experience any culture shock? And if so, what aspects did you find surprising and how did you feel? Uh, I guess that was that was one. The other culture shock I had was uh, the whole bargaining situation where you <laughs> negotiate for everything. Wow. And it was funny because we looked at things in U.S. dollars, as in like so it was like five to one. So if something was fifteen of their currency, it was only three dollars. And so the cost of living is just generally cheaper there. And so we were not good negotiators because we'd be like, oh, like 15, not bad. When we should have like bargained them down to like three. <laughs> but <laughs> so that was interesting. And then, yeah, I guess the road thing and then the everything moves slower thing. But yeah, I guess other than that, that was the biggest culture shock we had. Everyone was just generally very happy there. Which was interesting because everyone's generally very angry in the yeah, US. <laughs> but yeah, so that was pretty cool too. Yeah, no, for me, it was definitely the pace of life. Uh, the Spanish are, are just move, enjoy every minute a lot more than us Americans do. Um, they're, they're definitely, you know, they, they take time to relax. Which, uh, you know, at first, when you're used to just go, 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 go all day, it was that, that I mean, talk about culture shock. In addition to, like, the, the pace of life, just the overall kind of collective mentality that the Spanish have. Um, in the U.S., we really pride ourselves on being individualistic yeah. in in every way which you know like isn't isn't a bad thing isn't necessarily like a good thing it's just it's our culture um in in spain society is just very cohesive which um you know it, that could be kind of hard sometimes like you know if i was like talking to my host brothers friends if like i was hanging out with them like you know they, they like they were nice it's just like it's not 
Um, in Spain, it, I think the the hard part with that collective mentality um, was just meeting people, like in like meeting actual people from Spain. Um, just kind of breaking out of the group mentality um, is it, it was a little different. Um, and I mean, again, you know, not necessarily a bad thing, just definitely not something um, I was used to. That's interesting what you say about the group mentality, because mm -hmm. all the time we would see, like, large groups of children running mm -hmm. around, and we'd be like, who's watching them? Yeah. And our resident director was like, everyone is watching them. Mm -hmm. Like, they're, like, their moms are, like, all around, and they know, like, their kids in that group, and, like, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, definitely a sense of community, and, like, and I think the other thing, too, and this, I mean, this is, to some extent, in every country, but, like, because every single region of Spain is so different, people have a lot of pride in whatever region they're from, so it's almost like that, like, cultural, men like, group mentality, too, with, like, you know, taking pride in, like, you know, the larger group that you're a, a part of instead of like just taking pride in like yourself or like your immediate circle, you know. Sounds like we could learn a few things from Spain. Yeah, I mean, you know, again, there are pros and cons to, to you know, both ways of, yeah, both ways of life, so. Yeah, that's true. Um, I guess Japan was also a very uh, collectivist society as well, but that didn't really surprise me. The thing that did surprise me is the green tea with every meal. <laughs> As an Asian, I know that I'm supposed to love green tea. However, <laughs> comma, I hate green tea. I think it tastes like leaf water, and I hate it so much. I mean, in essence. But like every single meal there, when you're you grew up in the states, you're used to like ice water with every meal. It was just so different for me, you know. And I just I just couldn't do it. When I was with my host family, I had to have one of my colleagues um one of the other girls with me had to translate for me because i couldn't drink anything and i was dying of thirst and then when we had our lunches with our um homestay family she actually had to like flag down a waiter for me it was like she no green tea for her water please and i was like i'm so embarrassed <laughs> I, I hate myself so there's that part but also everything there was just so clean um there was Unlike in the States, there isn't every like a receptacle at every single street corner. You had to like carry your trash with you. So going back to like my McDonald's story, I had a wrapper, right? But there wasn't a trash can there. I took that wrapper all the way back into the hotel. They didn't have one inside the McDonald's? Not that I could see. It was very crowded. There was like a bajillion people there. It was like the Harajuku district, which is like the pop culture district. And so it's a big tourist area, but also for like really cool Japanese people as well. And I wasn't about to fight people for a trash can. <laughs> <laughs> in my backpack. Would it be people litter? What was that? Would it be people litter? Nope, because everybody's there for the earth. Going back to the collectivist thingy, <laughs> they're taking out, they're taking care of each other, mm -hmm. taking care of the earth. They don't want y'all littering, and they'll give you the side eye if you do. <laughs> that was that was Spain too. I mean, very clean and uh, you know, but you know, interestingly enough, there was a trash can like anywhere you looked in Sevilla, at least like super clean city. Um, and yeah, very, and like, you know, they were really, really good about like saving energy, saving water, um, that, you know, again, so that is something that I think we, uh, in the U.S. definitely take for granted, just like, you know, the feeling of the abundance of resources, but like, you know, I, I, I think that there's definitely a, a positive way that the Spanish look at resources and, um, you know, conservation. Yeah, certainly. We could definitely learn from them as well. Okay, well, what did you guys learn and um, how did not knowing their language or maybe knowing their language affect your trip? So I learned a lot from my project itself because it was just an interesting experience working with five people I'd never met before and then we were working with the larger nonprofit as well as the specific location we were at and just trying to balance everyone's interests. So that was just an interesting learning experience, the actual project itself. But it was definitely interesting learning from the culture as well. So their language, their national language is English, but they have a lot of, uh, I guess, cultural languages. Like so local like local dialects. So children don't speak English because they don't start learning English until they're in school. 
So it was kind of funny. We would see kids all the time and there were kids at the music school we were at. And all the time we would just like wave at them and like give high fives or like a fist bump because we're like, we have absolutely no way to communicate with you, but hi. <laughs> but so all the, uh, I would say 95% of the adults speak English. So I don't think communication was a big barrier, but uh, it was just interesting. Our accents were very, very different from theirs, but... Yeah. Well, I, I guess especially, too, because we're from Ohio, so we, you know, pronounce everything yeah. to, to the full extent. So, they're, yeah. Anyway, for us, uh, I mean, you know, I did know Spanish going in. I'd been studying it. Um, I definitely was more confident in my Spanish before I left. Uh, just, you know, because when, you know, I had always learned, like, Castellano Spanish, which is, you know, your kind of, I guess, standardized uh dialect in Spain so like that's what you would learn in the US but every single part of Spain has a different way of speaking even if it is Spanish like it's you know the accent is can be very different um, so where I was in Sevilla which is Andalusia region uh, they have a very particular accent that was very difficult at first uh it's like the fastest in spain they drop like every other letter uh like like it, it can be it was very very hard to follow at the beginning um and and you know i mean just it, like in the english-speaking world i mean vocab can vary a lot even just you know town to town just based on you know whatever the slang is so that was definitely a learning curve i mean it it got far easier um, towards the end, I mean, once you're, you know, kind of thinking in the dialect, it, it was much, much easier. But uh, in general, I think like just, you know, learning, I think it, it's learning how to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Uh, you know, I mean, you're not you're not going to walk into any culture that's different from your own and just right off the bat feel 100 percent. Uh, kind of attuned to everything. So I think that just learning how to be okay with that and be receptive of cultural differences um, is, at least in my opinion, the most uh, one of the most important takeaways I had for my semester. Yeah, you certainly can't go to another country and not be able to step out of your own comfort zone. R right, right. I, and I think that, you know, if you, if you stay in your own kind of bubble, in your own shell, uh, in, you know, whatever country you're studying in or visiting, I think that you can, you can lose a lot of opportunities to really connect with the culture and uh, connect with locals for sure. Uh, so for mine, uh, I didn't know Japanese, but it wasn't a big barrier for me at all because for each city or prefecture that we were in, we had um, a translator and kind of like a tour guide. So in Tokyo, we had Miho, love Miho. In Oita, we had Frank. Frank was great. Um, so we had the two of them to communicate uh, like between people for us. But then the one time where we were without them was during the homestays. And they tried to do it so that like the grandparents who knew the least English, had at least one student that kind of knew Japanese, and we had three students that kind of knew Japanese. However, um, when they weren't able to translate fully, there's other ways to communicate, right? With your face, with your arms, with your like, just non-verbal ways of doing it. So I was able to get the general gist of what she was saying, and I could like, feel her love. So it was all good. I wasn't able, I wasn't like, anything from it. So yeah, overall, language wasn't a big deal. It was pretty cool. What did I learn? Well, I mean, so I've always wanted to travel by myself after graduation. It's just something that I want to do. I feel like it's something that everybody should do just to like be with yourself and go to another country and figure it out. So I guess I just learned that people aren't as bad as I think like the media makes it out to be, you know, like people aren't always out to get you. They're, they're not always there to like not help you at all. Um, Japan was definitely a great example of hospitality. Everybody was there to help you, even if you didn't know the language with them. They're more than willing to like seek you out when you looked like you were lost. So that's one of the things that I learned is that everybody kind of rocks and you just need to find a person that rocks. <laughs> <laughs>
Do you think that was like a general thing for them, or maybe just the people you were around? Oh, I think that's definitely a general thing. Because again, when like when I wasn't around the people that I was around, you could like look around you and see like somebody help an elderly man cross the street, or like helping a kid um like swing on a swing set or something. You know, it just wasn't with the people that I was specifically because they were paid to be nice to us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was kind of my thinking. Yeah. That's, awesome. <laughs> that's great. So, what was all of your favorite memories from the trip? I have a lot, but my I think my my number one favorite memory because it was just something I've always wanted to do. While we were there, we were able to go on a safari, and it was in Mole National Park, and it was just so cool. So it was like it was a national park, so all of the animals there were wild, and we there were trained people there that would just go and like scout animals out to like find the best spot for you to view them and they were like radio back and forth and so it was so interesting it was like you know your typical like jeep safari but we did a lot of like getting out and like walking up to say like a huge pond where elephants were bathing and yeah it was just the coolest thing i've ever seen uh the the path we were on was like extremely orange so it was like this orange dirt path and like the greenest trees I've ever seen and like the bluest sky I've ever seen. So it's just the best possible way to get that experience. Did you see any lions? No, they hide. <laughs> I know. I thought like, oh my god, we're gonna see lions just like roaming around. And they're like, you realize like they're good at what they do because they're like down low, not making themselves visible. Yeah. So like, oh. Relying on a rock sunbathing or something like in the zoo. <laughs> yeah, like they're not do, like they're not just like obviously out there. But we saw, you know, like think Lion King. We saw most of them. All the non-predators. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we would look and we'd be like, oh my god, like that's Pumbaa. And they'd be like, that's what? <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah, five months will will definitely give you plenty of memories but uh i would say that my the one that always sticks out the most is when a group of us went a group of us like from ohio state went to the canary islands for a long weekend uh the canary islands are just a small chain of islands off the coast of northern africa but they are like owned governed everything by spain it, it is a part of spain and there in on this on the island of Tenerife there's this giant volcano called Mount Tede and it and we we like it we got to like hike up the not to like the summit of the volcano because we weren't like that we were not like expert hikers or anything uh but just i mean the it, it looked like mars i mean it was just like this red sand and like all of these just amazing rock formations and like i mean i mean it was like a million different landscapes put into one it was you know it, you know you like look to one side of you and it's like you see the atlantic ocean and then you look beneath you and you're just on this like red rocky sand you look next to you and oh there's a volcano like it was just the like it's something out of a like a star wars movie it was just <laughs> it was the coolest um experience i mean truly and you know you're baking in the sun and you're sweating so much that is the second time i've now talked about my sweating <laughs> uh, so I can smell it. yeah yeah so so sorry everyone but uh but yeah no i mean just just the coolest experience the only the only part that i that was kind of um I don't know, a, a little a little rough was when we drove back down the volcano because of how steep it is. I mean, it's like one of the highest peaks in Europe, but it's, you know, in the it's just like on this little island. Uh, so it's super, super steep and driving down was absolutely terrifying because it is, there's like, there was never a straight line. It was constant twists and turns. And I mean, you're, you're like suspended over like, is there a guardrail? Um, some 
Kind of, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't expect that. Yeah, I mean, not 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 a guardrail that made you really feel any better, or like made you feel like, like a rope a, or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, it, it was shrubbery. No. Uh, yeah, yeah, right, right. You can see, you know, marks where cars ran it. No, uh, it was. Yeah, no, definitely. For someone who's not even afraid of heights, that was terrifying, especially when I was the one driving and responsible for four other people's lives. You but were uh, I was driving. Yeah, oh. we rented a car to go up and down. Yes, beautiful, beautiful drive. The whole trip was my favorite memory because I met one of my best friends there. Wow. And it was Pop Lily Wong. And I know. Her name is Lily Wong. She's the president of Fisher Inc. Ooh. She's the best person I've ever met. Um, okay, we all made friends on our trips. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> she is the best person. Um, so, like, every single memory that I was able to make with Lily was just, like, really fun. And everybody around us is just, like, jealous of our relationship. <laughs> um, so, there was that. But then I guess, I'd, like, the best best would be when we visited the Buddhist temple. I forget what day of the week it was, but we did that. Because my fam my dad's side is Buddhist, so I've been to, like, Buddhist temples in Vietnam. And I've been to Buddhist temples in the States. But I... The one in Japan was just like so magnificent and obviously it's a little different than Vietnamese Buddhism so I could like kind of see the different differences and like representations and and I guess worship as well so that was really cool. That's cool. What did it look like? So you're you walk there's like three different entrances the one entrance that we went through there's like food stalls on the side there's like more food stalls once you got to like the big heart of stuff at the end of the food stalls and stuff there were um stones with inscriptions on them i'm gonna assume that they're sacred and not graves um at the end of those there were also like little gift shops but when you go into the temple there's just like this huge 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 statue of buddha and he's like decked out in all his gold there's flowers all around him there's people like worshiping him there's like a bunch of gifts just at his feet and it was just so beautiful he was huge he was so majestic and i was like Wow. <laughs> you just get on your knees and... Yeah. I mean, I'm not Buddhist personally, but if my yeah. family was there, probably. <laughs> okay, well those are all awesome memories. So how did your trip impact the rest of your college experience? So, I guess one thing, I decided to do another one. So I'm doing another global project in Vietnam this summer. Uh, but it's just been so far from what I can tell. It's just been like an interesting thing to have on a resume and then obviously I see my friends all the time but it's just super beneficial to have global experiences and it's just an interesting cultural thing it puts everything into perspective when you come back here to the, the bubble that is Ohio State yeah. and Fisher and it's just really cool to get outside of that for a little bit. Uh, I would also say uh, perspective uh, definitely being away for five months, um, yeah, and, you know, being, like, like Megan said, like, being out of the OSU bubble, uh, definitely, I, I think is, is good, is, like, a nice reminder to keep the world in perspective, um, and to remember that, you know, like, these are, this is four years, five years, and, like, this is a great four or five, you know, however many years, um, and we should enjoy it. Um, but at the same time, we can't, you know, lose track of, you know, life and life's purpose in general. Um, and that is honestly, I think, to experience and to, you know, explore what's around you. And, you know, we only have, you know, a finite number of years to, you know, explore everything that we can and to see everything that we want to see. And I think that, you know, uh, what, what was nice about Spain is you know, that the laid back culture also yields a lot of time to just enjoy yourself and to just relax and, you know, take life in. And um, I, I definitely have, you know, that that is something I've taken back with me. Uh, definitely, I, I've just had a much more uh, kind of, I, it put my mind at ease with a lot of things um, and, and just was a good, a good reminder to not take myself too seriously, for sure. Very existential. Very. <laughs> so Socrates, here I am. <laughs> so, my big takeaways, obviously I got a best friend out of it. That was pretty dope. But then also, one of the reasons why I added my Asian American Studies minor was because of this trip. 
um, I like I've always been interested in Asian culture just because of the person that I am. Um, but after this trip, I was just like, I want to delve into more cultures. That's not just Vietnamese because that's handed to me on a platter. So I was really interested in taking like um, Asian American literature classes. I'm doing I did an Asian philosophies class and I have two more classes to finish out my minor. And I feel like the whole trip just made me like more of a well-rounded individual. Um, again, with those two, I was about perspectives. But also, it's just like. I don't know, just 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 seeing like a, a completely different culture than what you are used to just really like grounds you. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think those were my biggest takeaways. Okay. Uh, so lastly, what advice do you guys have for someone looking to go abroad, either inside or outside of Fisher? So I guess my biggest advice would be, I guess before you go, take advantage of scholarship opportunities. Sorry. Took it. <laughs> um, there are so many within Fisher and outside of Fisher. Uh, the FCUB Global Scholarship is literally like name, ID number, and well, that's it. I, that's like literally it. <laughs> like what's your dot number? And it's, you know, they're like handing out money for certain things. And so if you're interested in studying abroad and you don't know how to do it, I would definitely, I mean, I went on the Global Projects Program, which is have like, it's the most subsidized project or the most subsidized program within Fisher since it is like a nonprofit and it gets a lot of donor funds. But if you want to go on a longer one, I would definitely look into scholarships. And then while you're there, just take advantage of everything. And they're pretty easy to get to, like are they Yeah, I mean, depending on what it is. And there are a lot of specific ones too. A lot of them are linked up through like OIA or through Fisher's website, so it's super easy. Yes, so go do that. <laughs> <laughs> there are so many ways to go abroad at OSU, and um, I definitely think that you just have to find the program that works best for you. Um, you know, don't don't con- confine yourself to just like one program idea or one country like look at all of them because you you never know um what you might be interested in uh and honestly like i say like when you're there just be okay with being uncomfortable be be willing to you know push yourself and you know realize like you will never have another opportunity in life to do exactly what you are doing while you are in whatever country and i think that just keeping in mind like you know this may be your one time to try this food or to do this activity no matter you know if if you would think that you would do it or try it in the US like try it while you're there have fun while you're there and um yeah just keep an open mind my piece of advice would be to put your phone down um so a lot of us because we were only there for about a week none of us really had cell service um so (laughs) i think that putting your our phone away and not really looking at it during like the bus rides or when we had a little bit of downtime really allowed us to like connect as a group but then also just like taking everything around us and i feel like that wouldn't have really been the case if we were just like looking down on our phones throughout like the two hour like bus rides that we have so that's my piece of advice. Put your phone away. Yeah, that's good life advice too. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, other piece of advice: take pictures of everything. Oh yes. yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're you gonna do want that them. Anyway. You're gonna want do them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I look at them all the time. Same. So what would you guys say to people who maybe don't want to go abroad because it would like extend their graduation date or something? Uh well, it doesn't have to. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah. If you just you want could to go in the summer, or go on just a shorter trip. Yeah. Even mm-hmm. like. If you want to do an internship or something and you're worried about the summer thing, you can go on the Summer Global Internship Program, or you could just do the May Master thing, or there's spring break options. So I would say that that is not an excuse. Yeah. No excuses. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks so much for coming to speak today, guys, about your awesome experiences. I'm very jealous. <laughs> you're a freshman, you have time. Yeah, okay, all right. <laughs> Nothing but time. Cool, cool, yeah. cool. Apply for next year. Yes. Industry immersion? Love those. Okay. Well, for anyone interested in studying abroad, check out the Office of Global Business if you're a Fisher student, or the Office of International Affairs for more information about the many wonderful programs that are offered here at Ohio State. And that's it for this week's episode of Fisher Link. 
Fisher Link is presented by Fisher Inc., the student-run magazine for the Fisher College of Business. I'm Grant Powelson, the Vice President of Podcasts for Fisher Link, and I would like to thank Lily Wong, the Yay. President of Fisher Inc., <laughs> and our guests today for making this podcast possible. If you enjoyed listening, please leave a review, check out our past episodes, and be sure to follow us on Instagram at Fisher Inc. Mag for updates on future episodes. Fisher Link is available on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and on FisherInkMag.com, where you can stay informed on all things Fisher. Thanks so much for listening, and go Bucks.